This podcast is made possible by our supporters over on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get your own RSS feed with ad-free shows and extra episodes every month, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. For another episode of the Nerd Cave Retro Show, my name is Jason Robbins, and my name is Derek Diamond. So it sounds like we both had an eventful weekend. How did the shoot go? Uh, very well, actually. Um, so as we started on Saturday, I was kind of quickly learning that the stuff that I had come up with was maybe a little too ambitious. <laughs> so we, I mean, we finished a little behind on Saturday, but not nothing to really say, you know, it's, it's terrible. But, um, Sunday we were filming in a, a local restaurant here. Shout out to New Yorker deli for letting us, uh, they're closed on Sundays, So we didn't have to worry about interfering with their business hours. And we actually started a little bit early. So I felt pretty good about it, but as we kept going, we kept falling pretty far behind. I know that and we were supposed. <laughs> so then when we were finishing at New Yorker, we were supposed to film three scenes there, then go back to the office building that we filmed on Saturday to get other content. Mm-hmm. After we filmed the second scene, I made the decision that we were going to push the other shoot back to another day just because we were running really late. Um, Kevin Almodovar, who was our director of photography, he had just come off of a five-day shoot, so Oof. he was pretty exhausted so i didn't want to i didn't want to make him like work until like nine o'clock at night yeah you know for two days in a row so um we're not finished filming yet um we're hoping to uh, film the last two scenes sometime in the next couple of weeks either at the end of this month or maybe early september but it's looking really good um i edited the first uh scene today just like a very rough cut of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll actually, I'll send it to you when we're okay. done with the show if you want to check it out. Please do. Um, yes, I, I'm very happy with how things turned out. The cast was great. Crew was great. Um, I I have really no complaints about it. It's it was, it was good to be back on a set, and I felt much more comfortable and confident in my abilities as a director than I did oh, with yeah. The Parker Stone, because I had never done it before at that point. So with this, I kind of knew what I was getting into. I had done several rehearsals with the cast, so I felt like I got to know them a little bit. So I wasn't like just meeting them for the first time, you know, on on set. So and having people, you know, like Steve Wise and Kevin there is always good. I wish I could have been there to help. But of course, I had this show. Uh, we, yes, my band falls from grace. We opened up for post profit on Saturday and that show was booked like three months ago. So, and unfortunately they both landed on the same weekend. So I was not able to be there for the filming of your short film. I'm so sorry. Hey, you, you have your own stuff going on. Like the show looked like a lot of fun from the pictures I saw. It was fun, but it was tiring. I'm getting old, man. <laughs> I can definitely feel it the next day. Oh, trust me, I'm I'm getting to that point too. Like today, so I, I put this in the Discord. But if you if you took like a piece of Jello and put it in the <laughs> microwave for about five minutes, 
That's how my brain feels right now. I know the feeling. My body feels like that. That's what my body feels like right now. I've been, I live, been living uh, on a steady stream of ibuprofen, ibuprofen since Saturday. Yeah, I imagine I'll probably be asleep <laughs> not too long after we do the show. I, there will be no episode of feature presentation tonight, just FYI. I was going to do a kind of a knee-jerk breakdown of everything with my producer, Chad Sanders, but... We're both quite tired, so I was just like, "Well, I'll just take the week off and be back next week." So yeah, and, everybody uh, will understand. Same thing. No open micers tonight. We had a pretty, we have a pretty big guest this week, and uh, he couldn't do tonight. So we're going to record Friday. So if you're listening to this when uh, when this drops for, you know, after after uh, we record here tonight, this Friday you can uh, join us for a live open micers at seven at the normal time, seven thirty. But it'll be on Friday night, Central Time, 7.30 Central Time. Be there and hang out with us. Some Friday night podcasting. I love it. Yeah, but uh, we got quite a quite a good bit of news to get to tonight. You ready to jump into it? Oh, sure. And today's stories were submitted to us by Mr. Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. I am the Rampage, who was in the chat Rampage! Room. Uh, Mr. Armez Jackson and Donner, Party of Five, if you have a story you'd like us to cover, please send them to nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. And this is an exciting story. Uh, a couple of guys, a couple of the guys sent this at the same time. But uh, earlier this week, this is from nintendolife.com, Super Punch-Out. Uh, yes, I want to continue blocking ads. Thank you. Uh, Super Punch-Out, hidden two-player mode discovered 28 years later. There's a, there's been a historic discovery made with, within the 1994 Super Nintendo release Super Punch-Out. A Twitter account known as Unlisted Cheats has uncovered a hidden two-player mode in the game. To access it, uh, on the game's start screen, you'll have to hold the Y and R buttons on the second player's controller and then press Start or the A button on the first player's controller. You then select the boxer for player two and have the second player hold down the B and Y buttons on their controller until the match it until the match begins. It's a little convoluted, but still pretty cool that this was added in and we didn't find out about it till thirty years later. Clearly they did not want anyone to play the two player mode on this <laughs> that game. Is, that is convoluted. It reminds me of, you know how we talked a while back about the the hidden two-player mode in Duck Hunt where yeah. player two can play as the duck? Mm -hmm. But I, I feel like when that story broke or we talked about it, I was reading on Twitter that several people were like, oh, yeah, we knew about that. You know, it's not a widely known thing, but yeah. with this, I've seen nothing of anyone knowing about it beforehand. It's just crazy that, you know, Nintendo was notorious for this kind of stuff where they put these hidden cheats in. All going all the way back to the regular Nintendo and didn't say anything and just let people figure it out. And here we are 30 years later still finding this stuff. And it, it makes you think, like, how much other stuff is still hidden that no one has found yet? Makes me wonder what's going to come out in the future. I Something know. else will. I don't know what it will be or what game it's from, but there will be more stuff that but comes like, out like this. How, how do you figure this stuff out? I don't know. I mean, the, I just just listen to this. At the start screen, hold the Y and R buttons, which are the, the bumper buttons at the top of the controller on the second player controller. Then press start or the A button on the first player controller. 
Then you select the boxer for player two and have the second player hold down the B and Y button on their controller until the match begins. That is so, like, how would you ever figure that out? I want to know how much alcohol was consumed by the developers <laughs> whenever they came up with this. I don't know. It's, I mean, you know, there's a lot of times they just put stuff like this in just for sheerly for the developers uh, for certain things they'd have to do, like little little backdoor codes that they would do. But, like, this is just something that's like, why make this so convoluted to, to pull off? Because they're evil. Because, like, look at Konami. I mean, they're, they're, you know, the Konami code was basically for their developers to be able to get through the game quickly. So, but this, I don't understand what this would be for, but, I mean, it's cool that they put it in there, and they had the foresight to put this in, in there, you know, when they were developing the game. I just think it's cool. I do, too. It's always fun to discover, like, these little hidden gems, you know, decades after these games originally are released. And they're discovering so much of this stuff nowadays. It's like, wonder, I wonder what's going to be next. We'll have to see. Our next story comes to us also from NintendoLife.com. Game Boy fan D-Make, I don't know if, yeah, D-Make for Better Call Saul looks like the perfect adaptation. Fans of the Breaking Bad spinoff Better Call Saul are getting ready to say goodbye to the critically acclaimed series as it heads into its final episode next Monday, which I believe is tonight. I think so, yeah. Um, but while many are beginning to contemplate what on earth they'll be doing with their lives after the finale ends, others are being a bit more productive with their time. Take YouTuber Lumpy Touch and artist Game Boy D-Makes, for instance. As reported by our brand new sister site, Time Extension, the creators have concocted a beautiful Game Boy adaptation of Better Call Saul that effectively D-Makes some of the show's most iconic scenes. And there's uh, some screen caps uh, in the article as well as a, a video. It looks really cool, and I <laughs> wish that like something like this would be made. Like I, There was a story that came out... I, I can't remember if we talked about it on the show or not, but if there was like a Grand Theft Auto style game in the Breaking Bad universe, <laughs> I would buy that day one. I would play that. I would play this. I would play the, a Game Boy Better Call Saul Breaking Bad game. I would too. I, I've i only watched the first season of Better Call Saul and I just haven't caught up with it yet, but Same. I love Breaking Bad. Like I love yeah. that universe. I liked Better Call Saul. I watched the first season, but like you, I just, I just kind of fell off after that first season and then season two started and I was like, oh, well, I'll just catch up. I'll catch up. And then next thing you know, it's five seasons later and I'm like, shit, I still haven't watched it. Yeah. And I mean, Breaking Bad to me is one of the best shows of the last, you know, two plus decades. Oh yeah. And people say great things about Better Call Saul as well. So I, I would play this in a heartbeat. This is really cool. I love that universe. So I think having a video game adaptation of it would be awesome. It's cool. Now, now that it's ending, I get to go back and binge watch the whole thing and not have to wait for the finale. Yes, absolutely. Uh, for this next story is also from NintendoLife.com. Shredder's revenge meets murder mystery and Brock, the investigator coming to switch. Uh, if teenage mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's revenge got you hooked on reptile based beat em ups, um, cow cat games, has announced that its point-and-click adventure and beat-em-up hybrid, Brock the Investigator, will be coming to Switch this winter. The game releases on Steam a little later this month, August 26th to be precise. The new trailer uh, is up on Steam now. Uh, unless the sh Unlike the straight-up punch fest of Shredder's Revenge, 
Brock promises that adventure and mystery will be the driving force behind the game. Think Disney Zootopia meets Mad Max as the game follows an alligator detective forced to investigate a mystery in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. I'm down for this. This looks awesome. Yeah, the trailer looks pretty cool. It doesn't show a whole lot. It's only like 30 seconds, if that. I love but it looks the really art cool. style, though. The I, art style I do is too. very uh, DuckTales era, um, you know, like Tailspin era Disney stuff. Like, that's the art style, and I'm there for it. Yeah, that sweet spot of like the late 80s into the early 90s kind of style. Yeah. I love it. I, I would play this. Easily. Uh, does it have? It doesn't. Um, no, it doesn't have an official release date yet. I was looking to see if there was a price, but they don't include the price. I imagine this will probably be around twenty bucks. I think so too. But it's real quick. But everybody should go check out the trailer. It looks like a lot of fun. It, it looks so good. I love the style of animation and character design. So soon as I saw this, I was like, "Oh, I'm getting this when it comes out." Same. Touch Bluxy this- in the chat room. What's up, sir? Touch Biloxi, what's going on? Our next story comes to us from comicbook.com. PS4 reaches final sales total. Uh, see, f- since first releasing back in 2013, the PS4 has gone on to become one of the best-selling video game platforms of all time. With the PS5 now being Sony's primary console, though, PS4 sales have naturally started to wane in recent years. Now, as a result, Sony says it will no longer be counting any additional sales of the PS4 moving forward uh opted to no longer publicly report the sales and shipments of the ps4 let's see because of this the lifetime sales of the ps4 now sit at a little more than 117 million as of march 2022 moving forward the ps4 will likely still continue to sell a couple hundred thousand more units but since sony won't report that data we'll never know the specific number as such, this 117 million number will end up becoming the lifetime sales total that is attached to the PS4 moving forward, which puts it as the fourth best-selling video game platform ever, only behind uh, the original Game Boy and Game Boy Color, uh, the original Nintendo DS, and the PlayStation 2. I honestly, <laughs> I love my PS4. I'm in no hurry to get a PS5. Honestly, I may just skip the five and wait for the six to come out because I mean we're already like halfway there. Um, but it just—I'm I, surprised that they are going to stop counting the sales because didn't they? Aren't they still having problems getting PS5s out into the the public? And that's why they were still—they they actually started producing more PS4s during the pandemic because they couldn't get enough PS5s out. I I understand it. But still, if it continues to sell well, I mean, don't you want to add those to your yeah, total? Like, exactly. ha- like, what if what if the PS4 surpassed like the Game Boy or the Game Boy Color? And Touch Blood, we would never know. Came up uh, is in the chat room says uh, loves his PS4 Pro, but he's worried about the digital services going down. And yeah, that's a distinct possibility, but that's not going to be for a few more years. Which is why I think it sucks that everything is digital now, uh, and I I still love to have physical copies of games. Like if, if it all, if there is a, an option, I'm always going to go for the physical version because I just don't trust companies to to still ha- be like if something say the Nintendo Switch 
like they, uh, you know, a couple years down the line, Nintendo just says, "All right, the Switch shop is shut down, and you can no longer access any of your games that you bought in the Nintendo Switch store." Like that'll suck. Hmm. I I don't know if we'll ever go fully digital. I think that would be a huge mistake. And I I will say I've transitioned into being more digital than physical, but I always think you should have the option. Oof. Yeah, Touch Biloxi says he owns like a hundred PS4 games digitally. Yeah, if something happens to that, <laughs> to that uh, digital store yeah, that, or whatever, that's gonna that's gonna hurt. That's gonna be rough. I don't like that. Mm-mm. Uh, but the last story here for tonight is from MyNintendoNews.com. Sega reveals another batch of games for the Mega Drive Mini Two. Uh, Sega announced another game batch of games for the upcoming Mega Drive Mini 2 console, which is coming to North America and Japan on the 27th of October. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Cartridge titles. Game Ground. Fantasy Star 2. Populous Sorcerian. Toogie-Oo. King Colossus. Viewpoint. And then Sega Mega CD titles. Echo the Dolphin CD. Robo Alesta. Romance of the Three Kingdoms. The Third. Shin Megami Tensei and Tenkafubu Eliu Tachi no Huku. I hope I said that right. Close enough. And most of these I've never heard of, except for Fantasy Star and Populous. I mean, I've heard I've of Echo, heard... Echo the Dolphin, too. Yeah, same. I, other than that, I have no clue what any of these games are. I'm excited to find out, though, because I will be getting this Mega Drive 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious as to what other games they're going to announce. I wish they were putting Saturn games on it as well, but who knows? Maybe they'll do a third one that features mostly those. I still say that they're going to do they're going to do a Dreamcast one that looks like a Dreamcast, but they're going to add Saturn games to it as well. I think that might be the route to go. And yeah, the N64 Mini, I I don't think it'll ever happen. Um, Touch Biloxi, that that would be nice, but I don't think Nintendo has any interest in putting out many consoles anymore. I think if it was going to happen, it, it would have happened already. Yeah, or they may. I think just the N sixty four is so hard to emulate for that they may just skip it all together and go to a GameCube. But even then, I don't think they really have much interest in even putting out a GameCube Mini. I think we'll see more of the Switch Online options before we get another physical mini console. Yeah, Nintendo. I do just like the mini like consoles; that. like they're cool. Like they're they're cool to look at. They're cool to play because you play on like the original style controller. But mm-hmm. I I just don't see it. Yeah, they, Nintendo definitely does not like to take our money when it comes to stuff that we want. But the thing is, is when they do release something, we're we're still going to be there with our to throw money at them. No, what? No matter what they do, and, I, and that's our fault. <laughs> they can always count on the fine folks at the Nerd Cave Retro yeah. <laughs> Podcast. Uh, but now it is time for this month in video game history. <laughs> August of 1982, Taito releases Parallax Scroller Jungle Hunt for arcades in North America. I don't think I ever played Jungle Hunt, although although I do 
um, know what this game is because they did a big uh, section on this in the video game years, which if you haven't seen that, it's on uh, YouTube now. It's a very good uh, documentary series. And um, I don't know, just it's one of those weird, uh, it's kind of like Pitfall, but an arcade version. And I, I don't know, it's uh, I just, <laughs> yeah, this, this era of gaming just doesn't really do much for me. Yeah, it's, as a game I know of, I've never played it other than just like I know of its existence. I don't know that I would have any desire to, but I, I echo pretty much what you said. It's from it's from that era that like I, I'm more of a late 80s into the 90s kind of gamer. Like that's what I grew up with. That's my speed. So I, I, mean, I don't know if I'll ever be playing Jungle Hunt. It's just like any other Atari game where you look at the like, look at this box art. You're like, man, that looks cool. I want to play this. And then you get home and the game is just nothing like the box art. Mm. Like a little one one pixel dude swinging on vines back and forth. I can't stand that. Yeah, yeah it'll get a 4K remake there, Touch Biloxi. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah. now that we've said something. We, we've willed it into existence, <laughs> so it's going to happen. August 6th of 1986, Nintendo releases Metroid by Makoto... I always get this name wrong. Kano in Japan, the first in the Metroid series. We're having I mean, a discussion what... about Metroid today with uh, uh, Nate, um, uh, Retro Gaming Dev, on Twitter this morning about Metroid. Yeah, I mean, what, what else you know can you really say about metroid it's in my opinion a very underutilized franchise by nintendo some of the games are great obviously but there should be more first game i ever played with that much atmosphere and just tension and uh just a sense of exploration like that that even though that game is simple to look at and it's very of its time but man that's just something about that game just uh it just sends me right back yeah, I mean, it, it laid the foundation for great games like Super Metroid and you know Metroid Fusion for the Game Boy Advance. I mean, there's a whole genre of games named after it. Metroidvania, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I was like I was saying, on uh, we had a little thread going on Twitter. It's one of the first games I ever bought. I think it was the first game I ever bought for myself for the Nintendo in 1987 uh, or 88. And um, I... You know, put my hard-earned money money down on Mernie, my Mernie, my, Mernie. <laughs> my hard-earned Got my Mernie money. on my mind. I put it on layaway at Kmart, and I think it was like thirty-nine bucks. And uh, I did a lot. I cut a lot of a lot of grass, mowed a lot of lawns, and did a lot of chores to get that game out of layaway. For those of you who are our younger listeners, just Google layaway yeah. and find out what that, that is. Exist anymore? Layaway. I know Walmart does it during the holidays, but I don't think it exists during like the normal months of the year. Yeah. Ask your ask your grandparents, kids, what layaway yeah. is. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, you're up next. August sixth of nineteen ninety three, Square release releases Secret of Mana for the Super Nintendo, the sequel to Final Fantasy Adventure. I forgot that this was the sequel to that game. I have a confession. I didn't know that this was a sequel to anything until the Mana Collection was released for the Switch, and I huh. see Final Fantasy Adventure, and I'm like, why is a Final Fantasy game in the <laughs> Secret of Mana Collection? And sure enough, a quick Google search, and I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. I didn't know this. 
But no, I I love Secret of Mana. It's one of the best RPGs for the Super Nintendo. I praise this game immensely. It's one that if I had the time, I would love to go back and play like once a year, every other year. So technically, you have loved in it a Final Fantasy game. So to close us out for this month in video game history, August 26th of 2002, I cannot believe this game is about to be 20 years old. Super Mario Sunshine is released for the GameCube in North America. I remember I felt like I was in the minority that I was actually excited for this game because a lot of people unfairly compared it to Super Mario 64. Yeah. I think this might be a I don't know if I want to say it's a better game. I'll but say to it. me, it's 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 just as good. Like I I love the addition of of the flood. I think it adds a cool dynamic. I like the tropical setting. You know, it's it's a fun game. I still have what my copy say about it? for the the GameCube, mm-hmm. and I went back and played it not too long ago on the GameCube, and this game still holds up like crazy. It's just one of those that whatever 3D platformer in the Mario universe followed Mario 64 was going to get unfairly compared to it. So they tried to do something different with adding the flood, you know, dynamic. But it worked. Yeah. It's a good yeah. game. It's a and I think it gets game. crapped on unfairly. It's yes. a beautiful game and it plays well, plays really well with that controller and I'm still in love with the uh the GameCube controller. I'll play anything on that controller. It's my favorite controller of all time. As someone who has small hands, it like fits perfectly. <laughs> like you, you, it just feels so natural when you hold it because I, like the way the trigger buttons are shaped, mm-hmm. it, it's just it's such a good controller. And yeah, Touch Biloxi chat room says people were disappointed because it was technically not a perfect sequel to Super Mario sixty four, and that it doesn't continue the same themes, but it's a wonderful game in its own right. I mean, yeah, it. it I look at. I feel a lot of people gave a lot of the GameCube games crap, especially um, you, you know uh, Mario Sunshine and especially uh, Wind Waker, because th- they were kind of standalone in in those franchises. Like it, Mario Sunshine took the 3D world that was established in, in, in Nintendo 64 and just made it better and added new elements to it and. It just it's a different Mario game. It's not your typical it's kind of like the super it's the Super Mario Brothers 2 of the 3D Mario games. And then you have Wind Waker which made everybody angry because everybody was expecting to have realistic graphics, but then it came out and it was kind of cutesy and cel-shaded and but here's the thing, Wind Waker has stood the test of time way better than Twilight Princess did, which had the more realistic um, graphics in it. So Nintendo knows what they're doing when it comes to creating games that kind of stand the test of time. I think the GameCube also gets an unfair rap because people of you know my age, and I'll even throw your age in there as well, by the time the early 2000s rolled around, you know, the PS2 mm-hmm. and you know the Xbox had just come out. So it was appealing to those who grew up with the Nintendo who were now older and looking for a more adult experience. Nintendo was still making the family-friendly games and still like your Marios, your Zeldas, their staples. But I think people were, I don't want to say tired of it, but 
Sony and Microsoft were grabbing those next generation of gamers or the current ones who were then you know getting into adult age. Yeah. So the GameCube to me was the last. Nintendo became irrelevant for a while to me after the GameCube. Like I know the Wii sold extremely well, but I think it was mostly because it was a a casual gamers console because you could just buy the Wii and it came with Wii Sports and like you entertain a family for years with that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just that I feel like Nintendo really was trying to keep up with you know, uh, Sony and and Microsoft, and that was around the time Nintendo decided, you know what, we're we're just going to go off and do our own thing, and that's what Nintendo is best at not not trying to compete. And I'm not saying the GameCube was a bad console. I'm saying the GameCube is still a great console. Like if you can find one, get it because the games on it are great. It was just that weird transitional time where, like you said, all of us were growing up. We were getting older. We wanted more adult experiences, and Nintendo wasn't that. Nintendo was the kids' console, and it couldn't capture us as an adult, as adults. But now the older us are looking at the GameCube, going, "Man, this thing was great. We were stupid," and you know they split off and went and did the Wii. And I think it was a good decision for Nintendo because. They're not competing, and they're doing their own thing, and that's what led us to the Switch. And the Switch isn't competing in the same marketplaces as Sony and Microsoft. They're just... Nintendo's off just doing their own thing. That's why I think they're probably going to have that weird thing where every other console is going to fail, and then every other one's going to be, like, you know, the greatest selling console of all time. So I have a feeling the next one is going to be one of those weird half-steps like the Wii U and then whatever comes after that will be the next big thing. And who knows what that'll be? It could be VR. It could be I'm something else that we've never that we've never even heard of. Dude, I've said it since the beginning of this podcast. I stick to my guns as much as uh, Facebook and uh, with Oculus and everybody wants to be the the virtual reality kings i think nintendo's going to come out and blow everybody out of the water with some kind of weird virtual reality thing if they do you heard it here first <laughs> wally's going to take me to task but i'm sticking to my guns damn it I, i'm expecting a comment on twitter tomorrow oh of course or sometime <laughs> this week uh, before we go Shout into out to the, Wally. Yeah, actually, speaking of Wally, we're, uh, I think we're going to record our first episode of the new Nerd Cave News Dump uh, coming up this weekend. So keep an eye oh, out fun. on Patreon for that. If you want to get access to uh, Patreon exclusive content, just head over to uh, patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And at any tier, you will be able to get that extra content. But before we go into the review for tonight, Derek, you want to... Give a Patreon shout-outs. Yes, as always, we'd like to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out Daniel Salmon, Tyler Watson, Axeblade07, Armez Jackson, Hand Solo, Carlos Longoria, a.k.a. Rampage! Rampage! Staff Sergeant Sketch, Gus and Penny, Matthew Salmon, Mike Eveland, Brandon Rutledge, and Mr. Joey Image. Thank you all so much for your continued contributions and keeping the lights on for us here at the Nerd Cave Retro Show. And if you become a Patreon subscriber, as Jason mentioned, you get access to our new weekly show. 
and also you get early access to our fun commentary tracks like the TGIF time block that we did for our most recent one where we talked about Full House and Family Matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've also done full movies, um, other shows as well like Gargoyles, uh, Darkwing Duck, Batman the Animated Series, X-Men the Animated Series. and We've got so many more options that we could do. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Again, if you want early access to those, be sure to head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And for new patrons, send us your social media info either on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, so we can give you a proper shout out. We want to tell you all about our friends over at videogamesmonthly.com. If you're looking for a way to beef up your video game collection, then they have you covered. Just head over there, pick the box you want, and tell them what systems you want games for, and boom! It's like Christmas every single month. So if you're looking for that perfect gift for a loved one, or just treating yourself every single month, and I mean, hey, you deserve it. Just head over to videogamesmonthly.com and enter NCR in the Where Did You Hear About Us line at checkout, and you will get a free game in your first month's box. That's right, an extra game, absolutely free. So head over to videogamesmonthly.com. Are you a coffee lover? Do you sometimes need that little extra boost for some all-night gaming sessions? Well, you should head over to BeResCoffeeCo.com. They have so many different flavors of coffee. doesn't matter what type of coffee you like. They got you covered. Try the Good for Gaming Roast or the Two Hardies One Ship, which is a rum and dark chocolate flavored roast. Not to mention, they keep their seasonal flavors all year long, like the Fall Spice or the Sweet Tooth. They can even add flavors to your coffee. So whatever you need, head over to BeResCoffeeCo.com and use the code NCR for 10% off of your order. And tonight, Derek will be talking about... that doesn't motivate you to play sports well it doesn't motivate me to play sports but it's still a fun song yeah. uh yes yeah, so uh this was kind of a i'm even surprised that i'm reviewing this game this week because we brought it up uh during gaming history last week and then i thought to myself have i reviewed mario tennis and it turns out i haven't so that's what i'm going to be reviewing this week Mario Tennis is a sports video game developed by Camelot Software Planning and published by Nintendo for the Nintendo 64. It was released in Japan in July of 2000 and in North America, August 28th of the same year. So about to turn the big 22 years old, which again is pretty wild to say because I remember the publicity for this game like it was yesterday. So I want to preface, before I really get into the meat and potatoes of the game, I'm not a huge sports game fan. I didn't really play them growing up. Um, I didn't really play a football game until like the Xbox 360, which was after this. And I, I knew of the Mario-centric you know, spinoff titles like your Mario Karts, and since then there's been Mario Golf, Mario Strikers. 
But for some reason, I'm also not a tennis fan. I've never really watched it. I tried playing it once when I was in college, when I was actually in shape. And I was sucking wind about 30 seconds after I started playing it. So I'm like, maybe this isn't for me. But there was something about this game. I remember seeing it advertised in Nintendo Power and EGM. And something just kind of told me, like, you know what? You should give this game a shot. So I rented it and actually had a lot of fun with it. So I ended up buying it and actually put quite a bit of time into it. It's it's a very simple game to play. I mean, the concept is like if you've if you played Mario Kart or any of the sports spinoffs, you know how it works. It's primarily a multiplayer game, but there is a tournament mode that you can do. You know how in Mario Kart you have like your mushroom cup, your flower and your star cup where you can you race to win these trophies. It's the same thing with tennis. You have the exact same cups where you'll participate in a tournament and you'll have matches against other characters. Uh, So there are quite a few to choose from. Uh, I don't have the full list in front of me, but um, they all have different attributes and techniques. You know how in Mario Kart you have like Mario and Luigi or you're kind of all around uh, type racer. Bowser is like your, you know, speedy or not not speedy guy, but he's the fastest, but he has like the slowest acceleration. Mm. You have those here as well, where Mario and Luigi are your, you know, all around, like they're okay at pretty much everything. You have those that are more technique based. They don't have a lot of power, but they have more finesse to them. You have uh, what's called the tricky category, which is you can do more trick shots where you have, um, I think Boo is the primary one I think of when, um, when I think of those. Uh, but this game also, features the debut of a quite a popular character in Mario lore and then the modern history and that is Waluigi. You know, Wario was introduced way back in the early 90s in Super Mario Land 2. Mm-hmm. And and I even remember thinking every now and then like what is there like an evil Luigi? <laughs> and that's what we got in this game and it's pretty funny in the the opening title you see Mario and Luigi are facing off against each other in the finals of the tournament. And then Wario and Waluigi show up and they're both like, who, who's this new guy? Luigi gets offended. They have a face off. And then Mario and Wario have a face off. Then Bowser and Boo show up and they're all like, what, what's going on? And then they're like, Oh, we're here to play tennis. They pull out little, little tennis rackets. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's cool. So this doesn't um, have like any kind of story mode or anything to it, does it? Just the cups? Yeah, just the cups, yeah. And there are other uh, games that you can play as well um, that are more like skill-developing types of things. So like, I don't remember the exact title of it, but you can do like a... Whereas, like, if, say if you choose Yoshi, for example, you can... Uh, hit your uh, tennis balls through these giant floating rings to help improve your accuracy. Hmm. Um, so they have little mini games like that if you want a little break from the tournament. But th- this is definitely a multiplayer game. You can do either one-on-one matchups or you can do what's called doubles where it's two-on-two. And you can play up to four players, which uh, I've only done a couple of times, but it's it, it's actually pretty fun and it's a pretty simple game to pick up too. You really only use the A and B button. You know, depending on how long you hold the button, um, the more powerful your hit is, or it might 
be able to put more spin on it. Um, but those who know the rules of tennis, you know, you have to hit the ball within the the squares that you're standing in. Yeah. So you have to kind of watch your your degree of power and everything because if you hit it too far you know your opponent gets a point so as someone who has never played i've never even played tennis in real life other than you know hitting a tennis ball around with some friends or whatever never actually played like an actual tennis game and i've never played tennis video game what is the one thing you would say that would would get me to play this game well, to be perfectly honest, I don't think this would be a game that you would really get into. I don't think you would dislike it, but I would see after a few minutes of you playing, you'd be like, okay, I- I've had my fill of it. I-, I wish there were a little bit more to this, and I know there's a new tennis game that's out called Mario Tennis Aces um, that I'd be kind of curious about, but... I I still don't entirely know why I wanted to play this game. Maybe it was Waluigi. Maybe I was just looking for something different. I honestly can't remember. But I do remember putting in a, a lot of time into it because See, so, you know you can you can play as different characters that all have different abilities so yeah. you can in a way kind of challenge yourself to go through the different cups and tennis matches are pretty long too, especially when you get to the championship game. Cause you have to win. I think it's two out of three games, which can, hmm. which can take a while. And the cool thing is the game does get more difficult as you play through. So when you get to say like the flower cup, it's noticeably harder than the mushroom cup is, which was, is pretty cool. I was going to say it, if I was going to play a, ga- a game like this, like a sports game like this, I need to have those like slight RPG elements to it where you can kind of level up your attributes. You can get like new uh, tennis rackets, which, you know, like this one has like a special ability or something like that. Like that would be that's the stuff that I find fun when it comes to any kind of sports games or anything like that. But I feel like this probably doesn't have any of that other than the player attributes themselves. The funny thing is you mentioned that there is a version of this game for the Game Boy Color where you can do that, oh, where you God. have you have your own character and you do different matches and you level up your different abilities. Hmm. So it, it's it's like a it's like a create a character essentially. And the cool thing is you can actually use the transfer pack it's this little contraption that plugs into your N64 controller and you can port your character over to the N64 game. That's cool. Which is really cool. I And, and Touch Bluxy mentioned in the chat that he's been on the fence about this game. If you're on the fence about it, I would say give it a shot. Because what's the worst that's going to happen? You just try it and you don't like it. Well, the but if you're about, if you're about, on the fence about it and you like the the Mario sports games, then definitely give this one a shot. Well, the good thing about these sports games like this is they're not terribly expensive to to try out. Like I can't imagine that you know this is like I'm. I, you can talk. I'm going to look up on eBay real quick. Just what an N64 cart would cost. Yeah, I'm very curious about that myself. But I, I think, you know, with the, the different character selection, it offers a little bit 
of replayability, but I'm with you that I wish there was a a story mode to this. And I I'll do a separate review for the the Game Boy version at some point. But I think I do prefer that one more so than the N64 version. And that's not knocking the N64 version at all because I liked it back then. I you know, had the fortune of playing it, you know, pretty recently again, so I I I still enjoy it. And maybe it's the nostalgia speaking, but I I personally enjoy Mario Tennis quite a bit and that's that's coming from someone who has never played Mario Golf, has not played Mario Strikers or really any other major sports games besides like Madden and NCAA because games like I know there used to be a hockey series uh, back in the day that people liked but never played any of those haven't played well I did play the a couple of the NASCAR games in the late 90s so it looks like the the buy it now prices hover around $25 for this game that's about what I expected like 2025. Yeah, I mean there are some you can get that aren't in great condition. Like here's one for three dollars and forty seven cents. It's not in the greatest condition, but you know, good enough to play, I guess. I, I bought a physical copy a while back, and I, I want to say I paid like fifteen to twenty. But I, I've it's just been. I, I'm sure you deal with the same thing. Like I have physical games that I bought you know, a year plus ago with the intent of reviewing them for the show. And then I get into something else and I just completely forget about it. The same thing with Mario tennis. Like I had just assumed that I had reviewed it. So I was shocked that I never did. (laughs) Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, even though this says $25, I mean, you may be able to walk into a retro game store and pick up a copy for less than that. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And plus, the, these were uh, these were so a dime a dozen. These type of uh, sports games because these are the most printed games of all time, or any kind of sports titles. That's why you can walk into any thrift store and pretty much find every sports title ever made for every console because it's just like there's just millions of them out there. The funny thing is, so I, we looked in quite a few thrift stores because that's where we bought the wardrobe for all the you know the characters for for the feature and i would look to see if i could find old games but i still have have yet to find any at all you know at the thrift stores now if you want to find games they're they're put under glass like they're they're no longer thrown around in the like the electronic stuff they're like they know what they have now and they're going to charge top dollar for what they have well, there goes that idea. Yeah, <laughs> you're, you're gonna have to hit the flea markets these days or garage sales if you're gonna find any deals. Yeah, I, I think that's. I think you're right. I think that's probably best. Um, another cool feature too in this game is that you know it has Waluigi who made his debut, like I had talked about, but it also features the return of Princess Daisy, who was the. Uh, damsel in distress from the original super mario land Mm -hmm. so this was the first time she had appeared in a mario game since then and the reason why is because the the doubles concept is pretty prevalent in this game so obviously mario and luigi are going to be a team wario and waluigi bowser and boo yoshi and birdo um but then if you have mario and peach 
who's Luigi going to team up with? (laughs) So they brought Daisy back. And and a funny uh, comment here is uh, Camelot had asked Nintendo if the game could also feature girlfriends for Wario and Waluigi. Uh, Shigeru Miyamoto said he didn't ever want to see their girlfriends. <laughs> but yeah, so he does have a sense of humor. I could see this this definitely being a, a party style game for that console because you know I mean the N sixty four was a, a ready made party console with automatic four player be able to play four players on on the console itself without any kind of peripherals. The crazy thing is we remember when we had to have peripherals yeah. <laughs> to, to play more than two players on a console. Mm-hmm. But as far as the reception of this game goes, uh, it received really positive um, reviews with critics saying that the accessibility and depth of the contro- controls were very impressive. The game physics and amount of content have also been praised. The N64 version received universal acclaim according to the review aggregation website Metacritic. It was a runner-up for GameSpot's annual Best Nintendo 64 Game Award, losing to Perfect Dark. Its Game Boy Color version was nominated for the publication's 2001 Best Game Boy Color Award, which went to the Zelda Oracle games, Seasons and Ages. Uh, There's a couple of the reviews. Um, Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it a 9 out of 10. GameFan gave it a 97%. Hyper gave it a 91 out of 100 IGN gave it a 9 out of 10, and Maxim gave it a perfect 10. (laughs) Which I wouldn't go that far. I mean, the controls to me still hold up. We've said it before, I'm going to sound like a broken record. Playing with the N64 controller is pretty terrible, going back and playing it now. But for what it is... Mm -hmm. I was going to say, it it have to be like a game that's made for that single uh, analog stick. But but again, for what it is, for using that controller, it plays well still. Mm-hmm. I, I can say that as 100%, you know, I won't say fact, but it is my opinion that it plays well. Um, the graphics, I mean, it's an N64 game. You know what you're getting into. A lot of polygons. It looks very blocky. Again, it's part of that era. Mm-hmm. You know what you can expect. Very ugly. <laughs> yeah, it's it ain't a pretty game to look at. I'll just say that. But I would say if I'm rating it for what it is in the time that it came out, I would give it a solid. I'm going to say a seven and a half. It's not bad. The, the lack of a, a true story mode brings it down for me a little bit. If it had a story mode, I would probably give it an eight and a half because it plays well. It's easy to get into the controls are very simple um yeah i'd say a seven and a half is what i would give it i think that's my biggest problem with games like this from that era is you want to have like a story mode to it but there really aren't any that was my biggest problem with uh marvel versus capcom is that's a great game don't get me wrong it is a solid fighting game but I would love to have had like a story, an actual story mode to that game. Well, and speaking from someone who's an only child, you know, like I, I mean, I have to go over to a friend's house to play a multiplayer game. It's not like I had a sibling to just be like, hey, you want to play around a Mario Kart? You know, I'd have to do all the cups if I wanted to play Mario Kart. It was the yeah. same thing with this. And, you know, luckily I, I did have a few friends who were into this game and, and got to do 
uh, some multiplayer with it back in the day. But yeah, I, I think you got to have something that appeals to everybody. You know, that's why I like Crash Team Racing so much is it's a racing game with a storyline and a hub world that you can actually just drive around and explore if you want. Yeah. Well, speaking of games in this era, I think maybe I'm going to do Crazy Taxi next week. Pretty sure yes. that's my, my next game to review is Crazy Taxi, because I played oh. played a good bit of that on the Dreamcast so far. Yeah, Crazy Taxi's fun. I, I can't wait to hear you talk about it. It's pretty, it's wild, but it's fun. it's still just so f- stupid fun. I don't, I don't know other, any other way to say it. You might say it's crazy. It's crazy. It's cr- it's crazy. <laughs> crazy taxi. <laughs> but yeah, is that anything else to to say about Mario Tennis before we close out this evening? Nope. I'll just say, like I was saying to Touch Biloxi earlier in the chat, if it's a game that you're on the fence about and you can find it for a good price, I think it's worth checking out. Personally, it's it's a fun sports game, and that's again, coming from someone who's not a huge fan of sports games. So I, I would, I'd recommend it. I'm surprised this isn't something Nintendo put on the, uh, the N64, uh, Nintendo switch expansion. Seems like this would have went right in there. Maybe they will eventually. I'm sure they maybe will, like five years. Can't be that hard to emulate <laughs> for it. You know? Uh, well, we know how that goes. We'll see. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's going to bring us to the end of the episode. And uh, so no um, feature presentation this evening. Sorry, everyone. No, I'm going to become a vegetable after <laughs> the show. is done. I've used all my energy to, to do this show. It's funny because anytime that I feel tired or like a little sick, I feel like those are when I do my best podcast. I don't know what it is, but it's like I have this little bit of an extra energy, and then yeah. as soon as I'm done, I just crash. And uh, after um, Final Fantasy VII last week, like I'm still riding the high of that game. I haven't been able to bring myself to to play anything else on the PS4, even though I bought four new games a couple of weeks ago. I almost started Last of Us uh, last weekend, but I'm like, you know what, I need to just give the PS4 a break for a bit. And uh, I think I'm going to fire up the Dreamcast and play some more Crazy Taxi for for next week. I think that's going to be a fun chat. Yeah, I think so too. I can't wait. Yeah. But uh, But if you you do want to follow the the Feature Presentation podcast, it's at Feature Press Pod on all forms of social media. The show will be back next week at its normal time, 8 p.m. And if you want to... Uh, follow the happenings of my latest short film. It's at the feature movie on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm going to post um, a few behind the scenes photos, but I- I'll do like a full photo dump when we're completely finished. And then, you know, once once editing's done, get the get the score written, and then um, it'll be color corrected and it'll be ready to go. Who are you using for the score, Mister AJ Caruso again? Oh, uh, so um, for Parker Syndrome, I used um, Emily Varley, who's uh, oh, okay. who's a local composer here. So, okay, I, I do have when I do my murder mystery, I do want AJ to write the score for that. Oh, I'm sure he'd be. That's right up his alley. Yeah, I should let him know like the the plot line of it. I, <laughs> I think I think he'd be into it. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, for open micers this week, no open micers tonight. It will be Friday evening at 7.30 p.m. Central. If you want to uh, go right here on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash jfunktastic, join us this Friday night at 7.30 p.m. Central at open micers on Twitter and Instagram. And I think that's it. You ready to walk out the door for this evening? I think so. Let's... I'm going to sleep. <laughs> if you'd like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com uh, and go to nerdcaveretro.com that now takes you straight to our link tree which goes to our twitter instagram facebook and of course our merch shop ncrmerch.com where you can go get a t-shirt mug whatever you need we got everything in that store we got cups we got wall hangings we got everything at ncrmerch.com go get yourself a planet juice shirt and play some Final Fantasy VII. And, of course, patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro. For as little as a dollar a month, we'll get you everything that you need from, from us, including our new weekly show that me and Wally will be doing here really soon. And, of course, leave us a review. So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Yes. Master Blaster runs by the town. Monkey!